What's up, Oasis family? How are you doing? Watching online from wherever you are. Some of you are in your car. Some of you are at home. Some of you, I don't know where you're at. You're just, you know, um, who knows where you're at? That's just the times that we're in. But whatever you're at, wherever you're at, I'm just glad you're here. I think it's crazy to believe and think that uh, maybe even three years ago, if you would have told me that I would be preaching in a studio and we'd have an online campus, I would have said, you are crazy. And now I would say, you're a genius. <laughs> what a great idea. This is reaching so many people. Now, even uh, the other uh, couple of Sundays ago, somebody told me that um, he shared this with his UPS driver. Like, and the UPS driver now watches us online. And, you know, typically people live in different areas. That person would have been a 45-minute drive from church, and maybe they would have never come in person. And now, faithfully, him and his wife watch every single week. This is the power of doing church online. And so I want to encourage you to participate in the chat. Make this your own. Uh, if I say something really good, say, that was really good, Pastor. If I say something really bad, say that was really bad, Pastor. You know, I, I can handle it. You know, um, we'll be all right. And so um, this, this past couple of weeks of preaching has been special to me because I, I've been sharing you things that the Holy Spirit's been sharing with me. These are things that I'm being taught by God and being held accountable to. And so we're not really in any particular series other than this is the reason I didn't preach for five weeks because God had something to tell me. And sometimes you have to slow down telling people other things so that God can can tell you something, and that will preach. Um, I had a chance for my family to speak to me, uh, and, and, you know, God speak to me through my family and different things, and so it's been powerful. So today, I want to read Romans 14, uh, 1 through 23. Hopefully, you can handle all 23 verses. Um, it's going to be okay. Um, so turn your Bibles to Romans 14, verses 1 through 23, and I think this scripture I'm about to read to you is probably under preaching in church, but I want to say that this is one of the most important uh, uh, scriptures for the time that we are in. I'm going to say that again. I believe this is one of the most important scriptures for the time that we are in. We are going to read verse 1. It says this, except other believers who are weak in faith. Except other believers who are weak in faith and don't argue with them about what they think is right or wrong. For instance, one person believes it's all right to eat anything, but another believer with a sensitive conscience will only eat vegetables. Those who feel free to eat anything, eat anything, must not look down on those who don't, and those who don't eat certain foods must not condemn those who do. Why? For God has accepted them. Who are you to condemn someone else's servants? Their own master will judge whether they stand or fall, and with the Lord's help, they will stand and receive his approval." In the same way, some think one day is more holy than another day, while others think every day is alike. You should each be fully convinced that whichever day you choose is acceptable. You should each be fully convinced. Those who worship the Lord on a special day do it to honor him. Those who eat any kind of food do so to honor the Lord since they give thanks to God before eating. And those who refuse to eat certain foods also want to please the Lord and give thanks to God. And so Paul is literally saying, hey, there are two people here who are making two different decisions, and both of them think they're honoring God, and both things are possible. It says, for we don't live for ourselves or die for ourselves. If we live, it is to honor the Lord, and if we die, it's to honor the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. Christ died and rose again for this very purpose, to be Lord, both of the living and of the dead. 
So why do you condemn another believer? Why do you look down on another believer? Remember, we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. This is kind of like a part two from my message last week. This is fire already. For the scriptures say, as surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bend to me and every tongue will declare allegiance to God. Yes, each of us will give a personal account to God. So let's stop, stop condemning each other. Decide instead to live in such a way that you will not cause another believer to stumble and fall. I know, and I'm convinced on the authority of the Lord Jesus that no food in and of itself is wrong to eat. I'm going to say that again. This is Paul talking about eating food. I know, and I'm convinced on the authority of the Lord Jesus that no food in and of itself is wrong to eat. So he's saying what he knows, and I know what God has told me. However, but if someone believes it is wrong... Then for that person, it is wrong. I know what God has told me. I know what I'm doing. But if that person doesn't want to do it, then that's on them. I'm not trying to make them do what I think they should be doing. That's on them. And if another believer is distressed by what you eat, you are not acting in love if you eat it. Wait a minute. Okay, so now there's this conflict here Paul is talking about. He's saying, okay, wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm good with eating whatever I want. They're not good. But if I eat it in front of them, then here's the dynamic between freedom and responsibility, which I'm going to get to later. Because it's our personal freedom doesn't allow us to not be responsible for how others feel. So this is the dynamic Paul is facing in the church. And he says this, if another believer is distressed by what you eat, you are not acting in love if you eat it. Don't let your eating ruin someone for whom Christ died. Then you will not be criticized for doing something you believe is good. For the kingdom of God, if we're talking about the kingdom, is not a matter of what choices we are making, whether we eat or drink, but of living a life of goodness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. The original translation says righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Can I just tell you something? If you're arguing about something and you don't have righteousness, and it's not about your character, and you don't have peace, and you don't have joy, it's probably not kingdom. It's probably not kingdom. And it says, if you serve Christ with this attitude, you will please God, and others will approve of you too. So then let us aim for harmony in the church and try to build each other up. Don't tear apart the work of God over you, what you eat. Remember, all foods are acceptable But it is wrong to eat something if it makes another person stumble. It is better not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything else if it might cause another believer to stumble. You may believe there's nothing wrong with what you are doing, but keep it between yourself and God. Blessed are those who don't feel guilty for doing something they have decided is right. Oh, we are preaching. Oh, this is good stuff. Come on online, put it in the chat. This is good stuff. Pastor Julian's bringing the heat today. It might burn up. My beliefs, but it's, it's going to be good. Watch this. But if you have doubts about whether or not you should eat something, you are sinning if you go ahead and do it. For you are not following your convictions. If you do anything you believe is not right, you are sinning. I'm going to preach a message today simply titled Conviction Bullies. Wow. Conviction Bullies. If you're like me, You can get a strong conviction, and then you start to bully other people into believing what you believe. You shame them, you attack them, you're passive aggressive, and you say things basically saying, hey, 
if you don't do what I do, you're not smart. If you don't do what I do, you don't love people. If you don't pastor the way that I pastor, you're a bad leader. If you don't do what I do, this is called the conviction bully, where we have personal convictions. Now, let me tell you something. Paul is uh, dealing with an issue in the church where the Holy Spirit, the bringer of conviction, is telling two people to do two different things. Now, let me just preface this, where the Holy Spirit would never tell you to do something against God's word. So even when we talk about, and I talked about this a week or so ago, when we deconstruct our faith, you cannot deconstruct the word of God from the person of Jesus. Jesus was the walking and talking word of God. John chapter 1 says the word became flesh. So you are talking to the Bible with skin on it when you talk about Jesus. You cannot disconnect the Bible from Jesus and say, I just want to be like Jesus, forget the word. You are nothing like Jesus if you forget the word. Jesus was the walking, talking word of God. The difference is, is Jesus was full of grace and truth. And sometimes church people are full of truth and uh, uh, riding on fumes when it comes to grace. Come on, somebody, give me eight on, on pump number eight with some grace. You know what I mean? Eight dollars on pump number eight. Fill me up with a little bit more grace and maybe people could handle the truth. But Paul is dealing with uh, uh, something I believe our society is dealing with. People have personal convictions about certain things and there's no biblical precedence about that conviction. For example, people have a personal conviction to get vaccinated and some people have a personal conviction to not get vaccinated. And then we beat each other up because of people's personal convictions. But this scripture says it is possible for the Holy Spirit to to speak two different things. Now, you might be saying, but the Bible says love your neighbor like you love yourself. Yes, the Bible does say that, but you're applying that to something that the Bible was not talking about. This is one of the things when we misapply scripture and we make scripture support our beliefs instead of helping scripture to examine our beliefs and maybe change them, we can actually shipwreck our faith by applying scripture to the wrong thing. Does that make sense? And so I have a personal conviction about some things that if I'm not careful, I I can bully people into um, believing what I believe. If you look at Romans 14.1, this message is to make sure that you don't become a conviction bully. Here's why. Because you can actually forfeit um, one thing because you believe this thing. You got to be, I'm, this is going to be so good. So Abraham believed that he was going to have a son um, in his old age. He believed that, but he had a personal belief. The Holy Spirit convicted him. That became his belief, but he allowed his belief to trump his values. Watch where I'm going with this. So he had a belief that he was having a son. He believed it. But when he had to wait on that belief to come to pass, he then slept with his maidservant to try to produce the son that he believed he would have. So his conviction, his value, wasn't stronger than his conviction about his belief. Watch where I'm going with this. So his conviction to stay married to Sarah and do the right thing uh, uh, submitted to his belief that he's supposed to have a son. So let's say, for example, you don't believe you're being treated fair by your wife or whatever, and your wife isn't paying enough attention to you, um, and you start to have a conviction, you start to believe that you should be treated better than you are. That is okay. But when you allow that conviction, that belief, to override the fact of your conviction of your value, that I'm supposed to be married to one woman, I'm not supposed to leave my wife, then what you believe overrides your values and your character. And so now, if I have a conviction about what someone else should be doing, that's a belief of mine, I cannot allow that belief to have me mistreat that person, 
Because my conviction is also to be kind. My conviction is also to be loving. And what has happened to me, and what's happened to most of (laughs) y'all, is that once you have a belief, you throw out the conviction of your values to get people to believe what you believe. Which means I absolutely have the conviction that everyone must be saved. But that means that I cannot stand out inside of a Taylor Swift concert at the Staples Center and hold up a sign that says repent or burn. Because my other conviction is also to be loving. And that's not loving. So I cannot have that conviction override the first one. Oh, this is so good. Because guess what? That makes me, you guessed it, a conviction bully. When beliefs override values, we become bullies. Paul's saying our biggest value is unity. Yeah, this person is over here eating bacon and pork chops. We don't eat that. But your boy might have to have a little pig if that means there was some unity. You dig? Oh, this is good stuff. Your boy might have to have a little. I remember I went to Africa with Pastor Philip. Don't go to Africa with Pastor Philip. Pastor Philip would have you on a crop duster flying over lions. And sleep. I love Pastor Philip, but Pastor Philip put me in a plane where I could massage his shoulders, the pilot's shoulders, literally. And we flew over lions and buffalo, and Pastor Philip was knocked out, sleep while I was praying and fearing for my life, and he had no concern about me whatsoever. I just want to put that out there that Pastor Philip was sleeping a crop duster, and we literally flew over lions. And the plane goes down, I'm lunch. For a lion, he didn't care. Anyway, uh, this has got to go there. But um, we went there, and I remember we were visiting one of the villages, and he said, whatever they put before you, you got to eat, even if you don't like it. I know you're picky about food, but you got to eat, because in this culture, uh, you know, that you have to eat. Food is very valuable to them. There's not a lot of it, and you have to eat. And I remember like, okay, what is this going to be or whatever? But I remember that, that he gave that to me, and I had a conviction about honoring that. But before I had the conviction, it made me nervous because it felt like a burden that I needed to do what somebody else wanted me to do, even though I didn't want to do it. And so Philip explained it to me and how valuable this was. And the way he explained it, he didn't go, hey, man, if you, don't, if you do what you've been doing before where you're picky about, that ain't going to fly here. Then I would be like, hey, wait a minute. You can't tell me. But the way he told me, the way he was patient, the way he explained it to me, he gave me space to have that same conviction. And he didn't bully me into eating the food I didn't want to eat. He explained it to me. And when I got it, I was able to do what he felt this personal conviction about eating their food was. And so Paul was saying, um, hey, like we can't allow this to happen where our value is unity. Our value is love. And yeah, you can have a personal conviction about food, but once you start mistreating other people because of that personal conviction, we have stepped out of line as believers. And so this is really what this sermon is about. I just want to take a second look at Romans 14, 1, because I really believe that the less of people who call Oasis home, the less of us that are conviction bullies, we're going to be able to make a difference in this city. And I really believe that we are bullying certain people about certain things, and I don't think that that's right. Um, And it's not that I don't think it's right. I know it's not because the Bible says it's not right. And if the Bible says it's not right, it's not. End of story. That's literally what our faith has to be. Romans 14.1 says, except those who is faith is weak without quarreling over disputable matters. That word except means to take one unto one, to take you into my life personally. 
It doesn't mean to tolerate. It means to literally take you in. The, one of the uh, word pictures is to take by the hand in order to lead aside. So let's say um, this is where Instagram was killing me because I would blast my personal convictions out on Instagram. But I've been experiencing a lot more success recently by keeping it to myself. That's what it says. Don't let me go back to the scripture. It says if you think you're doing something for God, keep it to yourself. That's what it says right here. Keep it to yourself. But when you accept someone, you're saying, hey, you think something completely different than me. I'm going to accept you, embrace you, and I'm going to take you aside. I'm going to take you out of the crowd, and we're going to have a conversation. It also means to take, receive. The other way they use this word is to receive in the one's home with the idea to express kindness. Right? The Bible says the kindness of God leads to repentance. What does repentance mean? The change of the mind. So if we have a conviction about vaccines, if we have a conviction about Christ, we have a conviction about coming to church, guess what's going to do it? Kindness. Kindness. Being kind. The kindness of God leads to repentance. The kindness of God leads to repentance. And so when we're not kind and we're forceful and we're angry and we're rude and we're cruel, people are going to reject that even more. Do you know in Romans 7, it says the law arouses evil desires? If God's law made people want to do evil, what do you think humans' laws are going to do? Look it up. Romans 7, 14. The law arouses evil desires. So as soon as you try to tell someone they can't do something, it makes them want to do it even more. Especially people that are not people of the faith. You can't tell me what to do. Sometimes we get mad at people tell us what to do is a good thing. Right? I bet right now if you said, hey, uh, it's a law. Everybody's going to get a million dollars. Wait one minute. Why do I have to have a million dollars? Who said that? (laughs) Who in the world said that I should have a million dollars? I should have the right to work for my million dollars. (laughs) What's going on? Are we okay? Everybody okay? Just breathe. Take a second and breathe. Take the money. Secure the bag. Who cares? Like, come on, man. Why are we arguing over this stuff? (laughs) It's true. This is what we do, man. Receive. Oh, get this. This is also what means accept. To grant one access to one's heart. To take in the friendship. Do you know that even Jesus isn't a conviction bully? The Holy Spirit is not a conviction bully. He invites he invites. He doesn't, he doesn't make you do what he wants you to do. That's why people say, if God's so good, how come they're so evil in the world? Because he he's not a conviction bully. He's not going to make you do it. If what you do is not a response out of love, he doesn't want it. So it says that we need to accept. So, so who have you accepted that is completely that views something completely different? Who do you have in your home that has a different view than you have? Who has access to your heart that has a different personal conviction that you have? Have you accepted the one whose faith is weak without quarreling over disputable matters? Now, this word disputable matters, other people have translated it opinions or reasonings. So listen to this biblical definition of opinions in the Greek. It means reasoning that is self-based and therefore confused, especially as it contributes, watch this, Your opinions contribute 
to reinforcing others in discussion so that they remain in their initial prejudice. So this is what an opinion means in the Greek. It means that when I'm sharing my opinion, that means that I am doing it with the angle to reinforce and collect people who think what I think, not trying to educate someone who doesn't think. It lacks grace. It's accusatory. You actually are making accusation. So we could say things like, and we do this a lot of time in our relationship. Let's say somebody, um, uh, you know, wanted, you wanted them to wash the dishes and you're married and they forgot to wash the dishes. And then you go to them and you say, you don't care about me. Wait, what? You, you know how important it is for me to have a clean house and you don't help me clean around here. That means you don't care about me. That's an accusation, right? If someone um, gets vac- vaccinated, you're afraid. You're getting vaccinated because you're afraid. That's an accusation. And then if they don't, they, they don't get vaccinated, you don't care about people. You're just trying to kill everybody. That's an accusation. You know the, that God calls the devil the accuser? So we are most like the devil when we are making accusations? We're most like him. He's called the father of lies. He's called the accuser. We are most like the devil when we are making accusations and telling lies. So, so an accusation is, I think I know the reason why you made the choice that you make. And there are choices that I have made about this that I believe other people should make. But I am not going to bully people into those choices. I'm going to trust God with the choice that I made, and you got to trust God with the choice that you made. That's the way it works. Like, I can't, I don't need your help to be unafraid. I'm going to live my life. Does that make sense? And we do everything in our culture based based on fear. Even Christmas is sometimes based on fear. And it was based on the birth of a Savior. Look at Santa Claus. You better not pout. You better not cry. I'm making a list. And I'm checking it twice. Gonna find out who's naughty or nice. So some old white man who's all his friends are elves are trying to tell me how to live my life? really funny everything's based on fear it's like come on man like like you're if you're bad we're gonna do this so everything's based off fear in our culture and it's we gotta stop we when we overshare our opinions we're basically reinforcing uh you know other people's you know uh prejudice meaning that we're, we're trying to stay in our uh prejudged prejudice means i've prejudged and you can't like, that's what I think, and I'm not looking for any other information to change what I think. And it's dangerous. And so I think what Paul is saying here is uh, he's talking about, I, I believe, two terms that is very difficult. And by the way, I don't know that I'm going to have a lot of answers for you about, well, what do we do? Because that's what people want to, but I believe there's a mindset that we are trying to navigate in this time, and that is the dynamic between freedom and responsibility. Right, So I'm free to do whatever I want, but I'm not free to do whatever I want if it should bring harm or affect another person, starting with their ability to have a relationship with Jesus. That's where it all starts, right? So I don't want anybody to get sick. Don't cough on me. Don't come up here all nasty and try to make me sick. That's like, don't do that. But what I'm more concerned about than you getting me sick is me doing anything that would prevent you from knowing Jesus. That's what I'm more concerned about. Matter of fact, 
in the, the first century, there was a plague, by the way, when the church started about 40 to 60 years after the first century church, there was a plague in the first century church. And Christians, there was no vaccine, and Christians went and prayed for the sick, and many people believed that uh, in Jesus, because a lot of people got healed because of how aggressive the Christians were in saying, hey, we don't allow people. So there would, um, I think it was the something bubonic plague or something like that. And if you got the plague, Rome, the Roman people would throw you into the street and throw you out in the wilderness. We don't want to get sick. We want to throw you out. You're not going to get us sick. We're going to throw you out. And the Christians would go and get them and pray for them and help them. And many Christians died going to help people who were sick. So I'm saying is, hey, the Roman Empire was throw you out. You're not going to get us sick. If we find out you're sick, we're going to throw you out. We're going to let you be exposed. You will not get us sick. And the Christians said, wait a minute. I don't want to get sick, but I have a personal conviction about my values as a Christian that comes above my fear of getting sick. And I got to figure out a way to love and serve these people. And I really believe that some of our nurses and doctors fulfilled those personal convictions last year. When there was no vaccine, they went to work. They had a personal vaccine that nobody's dying on my watch if I have anything to do with it. And so this type of sacrificial conviction where we're saying, hey, I might be willing to set aside something that may happen to me. People can have that personal conviction. And I think that people are trying to navigate freedom and responsibility. And here is my concern is that freedom in the Bible is not the way you're hearing freedom on the internet. I'm going to say that again. Freedom in the Bible is not the way you're hearing freedom on the internet. Freedom on the internet is a Latin version of freedom where it's it, it's coming to our culture where it means I get to do whatever I want. And if you try to tell me what to do, then I'm not free. The first time freedom is mentioned in the New Testament is in 1 Corinthians 7.22. It says, for he who was called in the Lord as a bondservant is a freed man of the Lord. Likewise, he who was free when called is a bondservant of Christ. Do you hear what that just said? That means if you were free... When you got saved, Christ gave you freedom to serve him as if you were never free at all. It's a bond servant. You're free to have responsibility. It's not freedom from responsibility. It's freedom for responsibility. So when we're trying to figure out what is our freedom about, we can never be so free that we exalve ourselves of the responsibility as Christians to care for, love, and be patient with people who don't believe what we believe. You are not free to do that. You are free for something, not from something. So the the Latin version of freedom is I want to be free from something. I want to be free from you telling me what to do. I want to be free from that. And there is a place for that. I do believe some of these things that we're getting mandated, and I think that if we're not careful, it is absolutely going to change what freedom looks like in this nation. I, I, I get that. However, that's not the freedom that's in the Bible. So when someone talks about that freedom and puts a Bible verse on freedom in in that quote, that's not what that means. You are free in Christ for something, not from something. How many of you know that Christ makes you do a bunch of stuff you don't want to do? But if you're free, that means you got revelation and conviction, and it's the driving force behind what you do is love. So what I mean by that is I served the devil and I was in bondage. I'm serving Christ the same way in freedom. 
freedom is not doing something that is not getting, not having to do something you don't want to do. That's not biblical freedom. All freedom is in scripture is changing your boss from the devil to Jesus. That's all it is. It's just changing your authority from humanity and what they tell you to do to Christ. That's it. You still have to do some stuff you don't want to do. So if you're operating in real freedom, there comes a responsibility where I want to ask you, no matter what you believe about what's going on there, have you asked God? Not have you asked CNN? Have you asked Fox News? Have you asked that uh, Instagram website or the girl living in her trailer posting YouTube, Facebook videos? Not have you asked her? Like, have you asked God about this issue? And by the way, it is a fact. I know this. There are people who've asked God about this issue and God told them yes, and I believed them. And there are people who've asked God about this issue, and God told them no, and I believed him. This is important for us to understand. Now, I can still believe that one person should make this decision, but I cannot become a bully and compromise my values of the fruit of the Spirit in order to try to achieve the works of the Spirit. So what I, the work that I think the Spirit would have someone do, I cannot compromise the fruit. What is the fruit? Love, patience, peace, goodness, self-control, all that stuff. Kindness. So when I'm not being kind on the internet, trying to get someone to do something, I'm a conviction bully, even if I'm right about what they should be doing. So this sermon is not about what should people be doing. It is the manner with which we are trying to get people to do those things. And I do not agree that anger, hate, bullying, and, 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 and forcing is the way that God would have anybody do anything. That, like, even Joshua, choose whom this day you will serve choose. I really believe this is important. Matter of fact, the downfall of Christianity for hundreds of years was when a Roman emperor made Christianity the only religion that anyone could have. That's where the Roman Catholic Church came. And you died if you weren't a Christian. And for 400 years, the Holy Spirit was sucked out of every move of God in the church because it was forced Christianity, not free Christianity where we get to do what we used to feel like we had to do. That's freedom. And so you're navigating this responsibility and freedom. And so I'm going to read another passage of scripture that's going to help you in 1 Corinthians 10, 23, 33. Because I'm not, judging, judging is I analyze your decision. And I'm not here to analyze your decision. And obviously we're talking about vaccines because this is a big thing everybody's fighting about. But I'm going to help you make any decision, whether it's a you know, vaccine or whether, you know, you're, you're going to, you know, uh, send your kids to school. Whatever you're doing as a, as a Christian, um, this is an important thing that you should be thinking about. 1 Corinthians 10, 23 through 33 uh, it says, you say I'm allowed to do anything, but not everything is good for you. You say I'm allowed to do anything, but not everything is beneficial. Don't be concerned for your own good, but for the good of others. I'm going to stop there. My first question for you is when you make choices, when you have convictions, are you thinking about yourself or other people? I think one reason why the Christian church is so weak right now is that no one's willing to die. Can I just say that? Every believer in the Bible was willing to die for what they believed. They're willing to die. And we want comfort. We don't want death. We, 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 don't, we, don't, we don't want to go. Paul said, I'd rather go be with Christ, but y'all need me. That's what he said. Yeah. I'd rather go be with Christ, but y'all need me to stay. 
So my question for you is when you make a major decision, who are you thinking about? If you are thinking about others, it is most likely that you're going to come to a better decision than if you're thinking about yourself. That's simple. And so thinking about others could be as simple as, hey, I believe that our freedoms are being compromised. I've seen people post this. I believe that our freedoms are being compromised. And if I make this decision, then I'm compromising freedom for a future generation. And they believe that. And so my thing is, well, you're thinking about others. Other people could think about others and say, hey, if I don't make this decision, you know, I live with my grandma and I got to get vaccinated because my grandma has some pre-existing conditions. So even though she's vaccinated, if she were to get sick, something could happen to grandma. Both people are thinking about others. So as a pastor, when people came to me with different issues, my question is, who are you thinking about when you make your decisions? Because the more you grow, the more you mature as a believer, the less you think about yourself when you make decisions. And I think people, um, somebody asked me today, are you called to be a pastor? And I said, no, I'm called to help people. And the road just went through pastoring. I could care less about pastoring. If God calls me to, to, to help people another way, I would. This is just where the, the steps he ordered for me landed. But I'm okay with the, those steps landing somewhere else. I don't, I don't have any attachment to the vehicle that God uses to get me to where he has me. I have an attachment to God. So as long as God wants me to pastor, I feel called to pastor. But the day he doesn't, I don't. That's what I told that person. So I'm thinking about other people. I'm not thinking about the church. Um, somebody asked me once, where do you see Oasis in five years? I said, I've never even thought about that. You've never thought about where you see Oasis in five years? No, I've never even thought about it. I've thought about where I see staff members in five years, where I see people in five years. But Oasis is the name of an organization. So when you say, I'd like to thank Oasis, who's that? There's no Mr. Oasis running around here. Billy Oasis is not around here. I love Oasis. Who's that? The Bible doesn't say love Oasis. Love your neighbor. If you're not loving the next person next to you, I don't really care. If, you lo- if you're posting something on the internet that puts hate on another person, loving Oasis means nothing to God. Who's Oasis? Who's that? It's us. It's our community. It's our family. We all have those family members who make really decisions that we don't agree with, and we got to figure out a way to love them. And so my concern would be that if you made any one of those decisions and you were thinking about yourself, I would go, hey, like, you might be wanting to think about other people, you know? And I, I get that. And I believe what Paul is saying is it's possible for both those types of decisions to happen, and they come from God. And you might be listening to that right now like, no, it can't. Then show me the scripture about that. Yeah. Like, it's not true. And you're going to turn into a conviction bully. And by the way, you can never be someone else's Holy Spirit. You can never have. You never have. This one girl I was pastoring this week, I believe she has a prophetic gift on her life. And she was feeling unheard. And I said, well, you cultivate the gift of prophecy and the fires of rejection. If you're not being rejected, you're no prophet at all. So you, no prophet can be worried about if people are listening to them. That's why we need a prophet, because people don't listen. It's the whole point. So if I'm worried about how people are going to, then I hear from the Lord, and now I'm going to start attacking people who don't agree with me, and I'm going to shipwreck everything that God wants to do. And I believe people are trying to navigate um, this balance between freedom and responsibility. And some people are going to make the right choice. Some people are going to make the wrong choice. And we have to be careful that as a church, 
we don't bully people into believing what we believe that we're patient. And that word patient actually is long-suffering, meaning that I'm willing to suffer a long time to wait for God to tell you something. Like, I don't, it's really hard to do, and I haven't done it well. Um, I haven't done it well. If you look at, um, I'm going to just skip a couple of verses because uh, I'm out of time, and I'm not going to go 10 minutes over this week. It's not going to happen. <laughs> it's not going to happen. This isn't the first time in Scripture where um, Paul dealt a lot of times with people having different convictions in, in, in Scripture. And one of those times was in the book of Acts where they let the Gentiles. Now, the Gentiles were a super lit culture. These people were wild. They did everything. Anything that was sin, they did it. And then the Jewish uh, culture was really devout. They had the Torah, the law. And so there was this argument over, should we get the Gentiles to do what we've been doing and make the decisions we've been making? And they had a big meeting about it. And in the meeting, they decided not to force the Gentiles to do some things even that was good for them to do because they said, we want to make it easy for them to come to God. We should not do anything that makes it hard for them to come to God. And I think the things that Christians are arguing about on the internet is making it hard for people to come to God. And so what is the thing? I honestly think you should make that decision that I made, but I can't be putting that all out on the internet because I'm going to make it hard for you to come to God. I don't want to make it hard for someone who doesn't believe that personal conviction hard. Because guess what? My conviction that really matters, Christ saves. The blood of Jesus washes you clean. He's a forgiving, gracious truth. That's the conviction that I don't want to post this conviction that you don't believe about race or what. And, and there's this place for that. I believe there are Martin Luther Kings that are raising up that are real prophets. But I'm not, I'm not talking about prophets. I'm talking about opinions. I'm talking about just putting filth and junk on the internet that's anger and slander and accusatory. I'm, talking, I'm not talking about, th- I'm talking about that. Not you really are called in that space. And they had this meeting and they were trying to figure out what to do with people. In Acts 15, verse 28, they said this simple phrase. It seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us not to burden you with anything beyond the following requirements. And they gave them two things to do. It seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. They consulted the Holy Spirit. Yep. Holy Spirit, do you want me to put what I believe is a conviction on them? And the Holy Spirit told them no. What? The Holy Spirit told them to do the things that they're doing and then told them not to make the people do that. Read Deuteronomy 11 when you have a chance because if I go eight more minutes, then I lied to you and I'll be the most like Satan because I said I wouldn't go 10 minutes over. But... Deuteronomy 11, God gives people a list of commands and rules and regulations to follow. He literally gives them mandates. And he says, keep, na- keep in mind, I'm not talking to your children. They never see me move. Read Deuteronomy 11. I'm not, don't, don't take these things and go tell them to your kids who don't understand God. Because guess what? When they see me move, when they see that I'm a deliverer, when they see that I'm loving, now they'll have a conviction. And everyone who doesn't have a conviction, even the right thing to do is a burden. He says, it seemed good to the Holy Spirit. I want you to write this down. This is the one thing. If you didn't listen to anything else, um, I want you to write this down. Having to fulfill a requirement without the Holy Spirit's convictions is one of the biggest burdens to overwhelm the human soul. Having to fulfill a requirement without the Holy Spirit's conviction is one of the biggest burdens that overwhelm the human soul. I said it wrong. Too overwhelmed. It, it overwhelms. That's not what the Holy Spirit's telling me to do. And so if you make me do it, it becomes a burden. 
if you make me come to church, don't make your kids come to church. Don't try your best not to make them. Talk to them about it. Do you want to go to church? Why not? Ask them to pray about it. Let them get a personal conviction. When you make people do something, when you make people do something you think is a blessing, the blessing immediately becomes a burden. But when the Holy Spirit convicts you to take over church in the middle of a pandemic, the burden now moves to a blessing. If someone made me be the pastor of the church, then even though it's a blessing, it would be nothing but a burden. What makes burden blessings is conviction. What makes blessings burdens is a lack of conviction. We cannot be conviction bullies or even the things we think are blessings for people will become burdens. And this entire season has become a burden to people because we are not saying it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us not to burden you with anything beyond the following requirements. And I really believe if we can do this as a church, it's going to be hard because some of you are already neck deep in in bullying people. And guess what? You might be right, but you're wrong about the way you're going about it. This is all this sermon is about. And so I'm really praying that, that God would just right now, Lord, that you would help someone get this deep in their heart. This simple phrase, am I right but wrong about how I'm going about it? Like, am I right? And be willing to be wrong. But am I right? Is, is this the way to go about it? I can't be doing the right thing but going about it the wrong way because that makes the right thing the wrong thing. So, Lord, are we, is this right? And I'm like, is it right that a nurse had to work without a vaccine last year to save lives, but now, is that right? Holy Spirit, bring conviction. I got my opinion, but I need to be convicted. Is this right? Holy Spirit, I pray that the church would be able to say it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us that this would happen. And if we consult the Spirit of God, right or wrong, about the decisions we're making, Holy Spirit, you'll be honored and the church will flourish. We thank you, Lord, for this discernment and this conviction about how to navigate this next season. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 I did not lie to you. I went over, but not as much as I said. This is exciting time as a church. And um, hey, I, I, I love you guys so much. And this is something that um, I am obviously very convicted about. And I haven't done this super well in the last season of my life. But this is something that God has been speaking to me about. And if you didn't agree with what I said, that's okay. I'm asking you to ask the Holy Spirit, is he right? Is this in the word? It is because I read from scripture. But you still need a personal conviction about it. And I really encourage you to do that. So can't wait to see all that God does for you in this season and through you. Love you so much. And I'll see you soon.